0: Well, if we haven't met, my name is Chad. I've been away for a little bit. Yeah, it is so good to be back. Yeah, I uh, I've had an incredible summer sabbatical. Thank you guys for allowing that. It was a, it was just a great time. The Lord challenged me in some areas, refreshed me in some areas. Uh, I am so thankful for the team, the staff team that God has put together that allowed me to, to truly pull away from some of the busyness and to really get rested. But man, I mean, I'm so thankful to be back. I came back a couple weeks ago, but it's the first time being up here in front of you guys. So thank you all, and it's it good to be back. So with that, we're going to dive right in. We are in this series called Set Free that is going to conclude on October 16th with a baptism Sunday. Uh, You've heard over the last few weeks us talking about that But if that is something that you feel God is calling you to Or maybe you have some questions about what that means I'd invite you to reach out to one of us on staff We'd love to answer those questions And to celebrate with you in baptism here in just a few weeks Well, the anchoring verse for uh, this series Is found in John chapter 8 Where Jesus is gathering together with with some believers With the the disciples around him And he says, if you hold to my teaching You're really my disciples And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, and which may bring some questions to your mind. Set free from what? And set free to do what? Well, Jesus later on in John 10 has gathered around with these same disciples, and he says that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says that, that he came to, to lead us to experience the kind of life that God designed. He, he says it's a full life. It's a satisfying life, a rich life, an abundant life. But the majority of people read verses like this and they think, nah, that, that can't be real. It's just a pipe dream. It's just empty words because they haven't experienced that in their lives. That, that would not describe how they would look at their life. They would not look at their life and say, I have a full life. I think the problem is that we're trying to live out our faith in a broken world. I mean, you just have to look at the headlines or, or look at your social media feed and you see all of this evidence of. Cruelty and pettiness and hatred and anger. It's all around us, and it makes it really hard to experience joy in our life, to experience peace in our life. But but isn't it true? It's not just the the external battles that that we are fighting against. We have a lot of internal battles as well. We, We fight discouragement. We fight despair. We wonder if things will ever really change in our lives fight against doubt and wondering where is god in all of this we fight against darkness in our own lives these ongoing battles that we can't seem to overcome on our own and so our lives kind of look like two steps forward and two steps back and we don't see a lot of progress and we see a lot of obstacles and setbacks and so it makes it really hard to believe jesus's claim that we can actually experience freedom that we can be set free from some of these anchors and we can experience something like a full life it just makes it really hard to believe that but the Bible gives voice to the struggles that we sometimes have a hard time explaining to others why it is that we don't experience the kind of joy that we want the fact is that the Bible describes this world not just in terms of the physical and the tangible and the material but it also gives us a glimpse of an unseen world, a spiritual world that the authors, Jesus himself, the authors of scripture would say is just as real as the physical and tangible that we can see around us. We read the, the second half of John 10:10, but the first half says this, Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says that, that there is another, that there's another being whose purpose is contrary to is combative to god's purposes in this world and the thief that jesus is referring to is the devil it's satan and he wants to destroy your life he wants to to steal your joy he wants to kill your marriage and your happiness now i know just the mention of this spiritual world or this spiritual enemy it it creates some tension in the room c.s lewis uh, an author and theologian from years ago that so when it comes to thinking about the devil and the supernatural, people tend to fall in one of two errors. Either they take him altogether too seriously, or they don't take him seriously enough. On one hand, people can, can blame Satan for, for every inconvenience and every setback in their life. He, he's the reason why their car ran out of gas, or he's the reason why the, the bagel got burnt on the, in the morning. But I think that most of us tend to fall in the other camp. I think most of us tend to not take him seriously enough and we just ignore it all we just say you know I, I don't get it i don't understand it it makes me kind of feel weird to, to think about it and just kind of seems like a bunch of hocus pocus and so we just dismiss the supernatural We just act like it doesn't exist but if we're honest with ourselves can, can't we see evidence of a spiritual enemy in our lives as we look back on our lives that, that certain temptations were just too perfectly timed. They were almost too tailored for our weaknesses to just be dismissed as mere coincidence. How that wrong person came into your life at just the right time. How that thought entered into your mind at just the right time and it derailed your faith for a season. How that perfect storm of events came into your life and it drove a wedge in your marriage, in your friendship, in your small group. And you look back and you wonder, how in the world did that happen? And isn't it true that every once in a while you you see a headline or you encounter a situation or you encounter a person and there's just something inside of you that says that is just pure evil, some act of violence, terrorism, those kinds of things. And Scripture would, would agree, yes, that is evil. But Scripture goes one step further and says that you and I were born into an ongoing unseen battle between good and evil. And there's a very real spiritual enemy who's working behind the scenes to disrupt and to distract and to, and to destroy god's purpose for your life and my life and if we ignore what jesus said about this if we ignore what scripture speaks about and what it says is true then it would be kind of like walking into a battlefield wearing swimming trunks and flip-flops and it could explain why it is that that you have not really experience freedom in some life in, in some areas of your life where why we continue to stumble and to struggle to overcome some things in our lives well we're going to spend the rest of our time in Ephesians chapter 6 if you want to turn there we're going to spend the rest of our time there this is a letter that, that Paul wrote to these young believers in Ephesus and at the very end of this letter Paul peels back the curtain to remind these young believers of this unseen battle that's taking place, but also to encourage them in ways that they can protect themselves and actually see victory on the battlefield. Paul's going to give us some basic ground rules, some rules of engagement as we engage in this spiritual battle. He picks up in Ephesians 6, verse 10, he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul starts off and he says, hey, um, believers, I recognize that, that as you try to live out this faith in real life it won't be easy you are going to face some resistance and you will need the lord's strength to do it it's interesting that that this passage of scripture that's going to talk about spiritual battles it, it doesn't take place after paul has described some demonic possession this passage comes right after paul explains what it means to have god at the center of your marriage in the center of your parenting in the center of how it is that you approach your job the truth is that the battle that we face is not in these extraordinary things of life but it's actually taking place in the everyday moments of life and if we want to to see some victory now the first thing that we need to do is that i must depend on god's strength I, i must be reminded that it has nothing to do with my strength at all In fact, in this spiritual battle, my strengths can actually be my greatest vulnerabilities. Because in my strengths, I I tend to forget that I need God's help. And ironically, if you feel weak, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel unqualified to enter into this battle, it's actually a good thing. Because you are much more likely to rely on God's strength if you find yourself in a place of weakness. This battle that we are in is, against an in is against an enemy with supernatural power. And on our own, we are, are powerless to overcome it. And the way that we gain spiritual strength is by confessing, God, I don't have what it takes. If I'm going to see victory in my life, I'm going to need your help. So it begins with a reliance, a dependence on God's strength, to get us through. And the second rule of engagement is this, that I must know my real enemy. One of the reasons that we don't see sustained progress in our lives is that we are fighting the wrong enemy. We, we tend to, to think that our enemy is other people or we, we tend to think that, that the real enemy is just me and my lust and my greed and my anger. But notice why Paul says that we need God's strength. He says put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says that, that our fight, our battle, is not against flesh and blood. It, it's not against people. Our battle is against spiritual forces. Sometimes people like to joke about the devil, and they kind of make this cartoonish Thing, character in their mind with this guy wearing red pajamas and and having a pitchfork but what scripture describes is a, a very formidable foe um, he's strong he's subtle Paul in another letter in second Corinthians actually describes him as an angel of light which means that that he will blend into whatever he can to deceive you and to cause you to just put your guard down a little and he's smart and he's strategic. Paul says that, that we that, that he is scheming against us, meaning that he spent some time. He has been developing a plan geared for you, geared for me. He has some organization to his battle. He knows what strings to pull. He knows human nature better than you do. He's been at this fight for a long time, and we, we are not as unique as we think we are. Human nature, in a lot of ways, is the same, and he knows what, button, what buttons to push. He, he's stronger. He's wiser. He is more cunning than we are, and he doesn't fight fair. He knows how to manipulate situations. He knows how to whisper suggestions. He knows how to put ideas in your mind to pull you off course. There's much more to your temptations than you think. There's much more to your lusts than you think. There's much more to your doubts and your conflicts than you think. That there is a real enemy who is strategizing your destruction. And while he is stronger than you, he is not stronger than Christ in you. And so you don't have to be afraid, but you do have to be battle ready, which is the third point, is that I must use every piece of armor that God gives me Uh, Ephesians 6 13 says therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand Paul says that when the battle comes not if it comes but when the battle comes that you are actually able to resist the enemy's battle against you so that the end of his attack that you can still stand. Paul says that in Christ God has already provided us with all that we need to win the battle. We just need to know what they are and how to use them. So what do we do? How how do we put on this armor, this protection that God has given us to enter into this battle? In the following verses Paul's going to use the, the analogy of a Roman soldier's war gear as he goes into battle to describe some of the things that you and i need to put on in our lives in order to gain traction that to see some victory and to experience freedom in the full life that we want the first that we need to do is that i need to strengthen my character we're going to look at some of these things as we go along but in in um in verse 14 paul says stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist And with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The the first thing that that a soldier would do is, before he went into battle, he would put on his belt. And the belt served a number of different purposes. One was that they would tighten it and would give them strength in their core, give them some stability as they go into battle. It's also where they would hang the rest of their weapons as they go into battle. And the third thing that it did was, before they would go running off, they would actually tuck their their toga or their tunic into it so they wouldn't trip when they go into battle. And then they would put on this this breastplate, this this body armor that would protect all of their, their vital organs. And to wear the belt of truth and this breastplate of righteousness is speaking about the way in which we live what paul is saying that we need to do is that we we need to internalize who god is in our lives and we need to live out god's truth in the ways that that we interact with others it's living a life of integrity it's living a life of character it's looking at the areas of our lives and we align our lives in obedience to what god says is right what god says is true what god says is good now, that doesn't mean that, that we live perfectly. We, we will continue to, to slip and stumble in our human weakness, but, but it means that we're not faking it. It, it means that, that our lives don't have hypocrisy in it, where we talk a big game, but we don't actually live out the truth and the principles of what God says. Paul's saying that, that when you live a life of character, a life of truth, a life of integrity, that your life is more stable. And that your heart and your soul is protected from the enemy but when there's a crack in your character he will see that opening it's like an opening in your armor and he is going to bring you down he will use whatever area of your life that is not fully surrendered to god and aligned with his truth maybe it's a bad habit that you have that nobody knows about See, I think one of the things that that puts us at risk the most is we try to live these compartmentalized lives that nine out of ten things in our life is going really well, but we have one thing that's hidden that nobody knows about. So maybe for you, it's a a bad habit. Maybe for you, it's a toxic relationship. Or it's just some area of your life that you have refused to give over to God. It's your dating life. It's how you spend your money, and it's why you keep getting beat down why you are failing to experience the full life of joy that Jesus offers. There's a weakness in your character, and the enemy is exploiting it. And we all have some vulnerability in our lives, some character weakness, and Satan, he's a patient enemy. and He is just waiting for his opportunity to attack that weakness when our guards are down, and that's why it's important that, that we live these lives of daily reflection, of examining our lives and, and asking God to examine our lives and our hearts to, to see if there is any weakness that we need to shore up. So where are you vulnerable? Where is that crack in the armor? Where is that potential crack in the armor? And ask God for help. Get, get some people in your corner. Don't let these things stay hidden so the first thing that we need to do is to to closely guard and strengthen our character after the soldier would put on the belt and this breastplate the next thing that he would do is put on his shoes and the the shoes that that these soldiers would wear had had little nails driven in the bottom of them in order for them to to gain traction in their lives what paul is going to say is that, that that represents having peace in our lives the second thing if you're taking notes is that we need to share the gospel of peace he says that your, so that your feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That The good news, the, the gospel of Jesus is that through our faith in him that we now have peace with God. And that serves as an anchor of stability as we walk through our lives. But that truth, that peace that we have in our lives should also compel us and propel us to share that peace with other people and there, I think there are a couple of ways that, that this can be lived out in our lives that the first is that we apply peace to our relationships Romans 12.18 says that if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone now we all know that there are some people in this life that, that you just can't please but Paul said that as far as it depends on you do what do your part to live at peace with everyone Because here's the thing that if you have unresolved conflict in your life if you have bitterness towards someone else if you have resentment if you have unforgiveness towards someone else then you have just opened yourself up for spiritual attack because you are not wearing the shoes of peace and your enemy will use that anger he'll use that hatred he'll use that contempt pull you off the path that god has for you to to lead you away from god's best for your life so we part of what we need to be able to do if we want to withstand the attacks of satan is make sure that we are understanding that we are applying peace to our relationships the other way that we apply this is by sharing the gospel of peace with others when we interact with others and we share the hope and the peace and the joy that comes from knowing jesus then we are joining our Lord and our Savior, on His mission to rescue people from those that are living far from Him. Part of what that means is that we need to be ready, that we need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have, to be able to share the gospel with others. And this can look a bunch of different ways. I I am amazed. Every Sunday we gather here, in every corner of this building, in Ridge Kids and Student Ministry, there are teams of people that, that are doing this very thing that are sharing the good news of God's love and his hope and his peace that comes through Jesus. And they're doing it in ways where, where the kids, at their age level, understand God's love for them. We are the easiest prey to Satan when we're bored and when we are disengaged from his mission. And my fear is that some of you right now are just sitting ducks for spiritual attack because you're sitting on the sidelines. That you're not actively engaged in sharing the love and the joy and the peace that comes through Jesus. I'd invite you, in whatever way that looks like, to make sure that you are engaged on the mission of God. That you are on the battlefield wearing your shoes of peace, sharing that peace with others. There are all kinds of opportunities. We'd love to get you plugged in what's happening at Ridge Kids or in student ministry in any way. But you need to make sure that you are engaged. So is your life marked by peace? are you at peace with others as long as far as it depends on you are you actively engaged in the mission of god sharing this good news with others the third way to be battle ready is that i need to increase my faith paul says that in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one so what are these flaming arrows that that paul is talking about the, the primary weapons, the main weapons that Satan uses against us are, are temptation, accusation, and lies. The, these things that, that he puts in our minds to draw us away, to distract us away from God. He uses doubt. And we have these thoughts that enter into our mind is, can God really be trusted? Did, did, did he really mean that when he wrote that? No. You're the exception to that, to that command. Yeah. You'll make sure that you don't take it too far. It's just one look. No one will ever know. And he highlights all of the short-term benefits, all of the pleasure that can come from this temptation, and clouds or hides some of the consequences that are sure to follow. Doubt is one of those flaming arrows. Another that he uses is discouragement. And we have these thoughts that come into our mind like, you're not good enough. You're nothing but a hypocrite. After what you just did, do you think God's going to forgive you? Do you think he still loves you after you did that? Have you ever noticed that right after you give into a temptation, how much self-loathing, how much self-hatred enters into your mind? That's our enemy at work. He uses things like, you're never going to overcome this. So why even try? Your marriage is always going to be bad. You're never going to beat this addiction. You're always going to be in debt. And he uses this discouragement to beat us down. He also uses delay. Why is this taking so long? God should have acted by now. He either doesn't see or he doesn't care. And so if there's going to be any change in your life, you're going to have to do it. And we're tempted to take matters into our own hands and just cut God completely out. Do do any of those resonate with you? Do any of those sound familiar to you? They do in mine. And what Paul says is the way that that we extinguish these flaming arrows of temptation and accusation and lies of the enemy is to increase our faith, that, that, that we respond by trusting in the promises of God even when we're under attack. That I'm going to trust God no matter what. No matter what my feelings say. No matter what my eyes see right now. That I'm going to trust what God says is true is actually true. And I'm going to hold on to this shield of faith. And I'm going to respond by saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. My God is going to work all these things for good. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God that he will never leave me. That he will never forsake me takes faith to believe those statements and sometimes it's really hard to do that on our own when we are the ones that are under attack one of the interesting things about these roman shields is that they were designed in such a way that they could link together and build this wall this impenetrable wall with the with the guys that are on either side of them i think sometimes it's a reminder for us that that on our own sometimes our faith isn't strong enough that we need others in the fight, that we need the faith and the strength of others around us to help us overcome some of these flaming arrows. That's why you hear us say over and over again that you need community in your life, that you need to have some folks around you that, that know the battle that you're in and that can hold a shield of faith when you can't do it on your own. So, where's your faith right now? And then, lastly, we need to know God's word. Uh, Paul says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the only offensive weapon that, that Paul describes in all these different um, acts of armor, uh, parts of armor that we're putting on. Your ability, my ability to overcome the enemy is directly proportional to my knowledge and my application of God's word. Let me say that again. I, Our ability to overcome the enemy is directly proportional to our knowledge and our application of God's word. So do you read it? Do you study it? Knowing that this is the only offensive weapon that we have, knowing that this is a form of armor that God has given us, are you treating it like that? Do you know it? It needs to be internalized and memorized so that when these attacks happen, that you have something to respond to. You may be wondering I mean, if you look at the bible sometimes it's very intimidating I mean, it's this huge book so where do i begin what do i need to internalize do i need to memorize the whole thing here's what i would say start with the verses that help you in the most tempting area of your life start there if you have a problem with anger find some verses that, that talk about how do we get rid of our anger if you have a problem with spending or with lust find Verses that speak to those areas of weakness in your life and internalize them. If, if it's hard for you to, to memorize things, write it down on a piece of paper, right, on a three-by-five card, keep it with you so that in those moments of weakness, in those moments where you're under attack and those flaming errors are coming your way, that you have something to respond back with. Learn it, read it, memorize it, meditate on it. This is the sword that we have to fight back against very real attacks spiritual world is is as much a reality as the physical world that we see around us. The enemy that we fight is powerful. The the battle that we fight is real, but but we can and we should be confident that we have a God who's willing to fight for us and who has equipped us with the things that allow us to withstand those attacks and to be able to stand at the end. So a couple of questions for us to, to wrestle with in, in application. Are you aware of the battle? Can you recognize the voice of temptation in your life? The voice of accusation? The lies that go into your mind? Can you see that those are the schemes of the devil? that are trying to, to distract you, and to pull you away from God's best for your life? And secondly, how are you protecting yourself from those attacks? As you look at your life, are, are there some areas that you need to shore up? Is there a particular piece of armor that you need to focus your attention on to make sure that, that you have it on and, and you're using it, that you're battle-ready for the day? Maybe for you this week, what would help you is to, to read these four verses every morning as you're getting ready for the day as a reminder to pray god i am not just going to work i'm going into battle today I, i'm not just going to school I, i'm actually going into battle today and i need these things in my life and as you put on your belt you simply say that i, I, I want to guard my character today I, i'm going to be mindful of those areas of my life that, that maybe aren't aligned with you and i'm going to seek to align those with you I, I want to live a life of integrity, a life of obedience towards what you say is right. And as you put on your shirt, you say, God, I, I want you to protect my heart today. I, I, I want you to protect my heart from impurity. As you put on your shoes, you can remind yourself of the gospel of peace, the, the peace that you now have with your creator God because of what Jesus did. And you can pray for peace in your relationship far as it depends on you that you can live at peace with others that's what it means to be strong in the lord that that you cover your life in his strength and and if you'll start to do that here's what i think you'll find you're going to start finding some traction and overcoming some areas that have been long-standing struggles in your life you're going to begin to see some victory in your life you're going to start experiencing some freedom in your life that you never thought that you would You're going to start getting a taste of the full life, the the, the satisfying life, the abundant life, the rich life that God wants for you, a a life with Him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You. Um, Without Your Word, we, we would be walking into this life believing that the only world that we live in as a physical one, but you remind us that there is a spiritual world, and there is a spiritual enemy who's responsible for a lot of the, the setbacks and the obstacles, that the anchors that, that have been holding us back from experiencing life and life to the full. I just pray, God, that you would give us eyes, that you would allow us to, to slow down enough to enter into your presence each day. put on this armor, these tools that you have given us, that that are really just reminders that we are completely dependent on you. God, this is your battle, but you have given us ways to protect, and you have given us your word as a sword. I just pray that as followers of Jesus, that we would take this battle seriously, that we would keep close ties on our heart, on our integrity, on our character, on the peace that we have with you and with others. Their lives would be grounded on the truth of Scripture. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift of the Spirit that allows us to see victory and growth in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out, everybody. We'll see you back here next week. Have a great week, everybody.